It's a good thing you're introducing us to that new song, Jess, because I was out there visiting, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm hearing the song. I need to be in here for this very moment right now. This is the day, my friends, the Lord has made. This is the day we celebrate the Spirit has come, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I will also, we will also rejoice that we are gathered together as Fellowship Church. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, we are glad that you are here. My name is Nate Skipper, and I am one of the pastors here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. We say that mission every single week from up here, not just so that you can hear these words, but in the hopes that we together as a community begin to live into them. And one way in which we might be able to do that is by requiring everyone to wear a shirt. Because wearing a shirt is really important, and we don't want to see Pastor Ross without his shirt on in church. So we are requiring everyone to wear a shirt. You will notice that some people are wearing shirts with red on them, and some people are wearing shirts without red on them. That's because it's Pentecost, and we have a long-standing tradition at Fellowship that we wear red to honor or to celebrate Pentecost together. This morning, you'll also notice that some people are wearing masks and some people are not wearing masks. That's because as a community, we have decided to follow the CDC guidelines that say that if you are vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask. And as some people uh, have chosen, will continue to wear a mask. A, either out of necessity because they are, do not follow those guidelines, or B, out of an extra sense of security and safety, or C, out of in solidarity with others, especially those that are not quite 12 yet. So whether uh, it's uh, you are wearing red or not, whether you are wearing a mask or not, we are hopefully going to continue to live into our community, being an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus, even though we have some diversity in the body. Because that's what fellowship has always done for the last 55 years. We've lived amidst our diversity and still tried to love one another. And I think we can continue to do that, can't we? And we need a better aim. Oh, oh, clap. I like the clap. Jess, you know, amen. But similarly, and frankly, in my opinion, a lot more importantly, is how we're living out that mission on a day-to-day basis. And I have three things I want to highlight for you from, that mostly are in the bulletin. And they're all uh, ways in which we can love one another uh, with gifts, you might say. One is through the Gloves of Love program. And this would be the gift of items. Uh, we are uh, gathering household goods and work gloves for our migrant families that are moving into Holland uh, to work in our agricultural department. Um, and these are friends that we've gotten to know over the last couple years with our Meet Up and Eat Up program. And as a sign of our uh, welcomeness to Holland, we are going to uh, bestow upon them a gift of uh, work gloves and household goods. You can see more about that in the bulletin. The second thing that we can do in terms of giving is that you can give the gift of your time. Uh, We are looking for a few more volunteers to help out with our Uh, VBS that's happening in three short weeks, whether that's uh, you're a middle school student, high school student, or an adult uh, from whatever age, you uh, can can be used and serve uh, in that capacity. Talk to Miss Betsy or see a note in the bulletin about that. Third thing uh, is that you can give uh, in your designated gifts this morning to the Pentecost offering will go to uh, Empowering Youth Global Connections, which is a long name for a really cool organization that's run by Gerald and Allison Braza sitting in the back seat right there. Uh, and they uh, are uh, working with some of their ministry partners in Kenya, where Gerald is from, and providing student scholarships. So this will, the, the funds that were designated for Pentecost this morning will go to support uh, school scholarships for our friends in Kenya who need to go to school. Cool stuff, huh? This morning, we also want to take a moment just to recognize that our community at this time of year kind of shifts and changes a little bit. And one thing that we're really excited about is that we have been seeing a number of college students that are back in town uh, from being out uh, abroad. So uh, if you are a college student, first off, welcome. We're glad you're here, whether online or in person. But let's give a little fellowship welcome back to the college students. Come on. Also, if you are graduating from college, high school, grad school, you know, uh, 
uh, what would what'd be a good thing for you to graduate from, Ross? Uh, I can't even think of anything. Dang, who would have been a good one? But anyway, if you're graduating from something, uh, you can let uh, the office know so that in a couple weeks we can honor you uh, for your graduation. And lastly, I get the privilege of introducing to you, to you, our very brand new communications director. Within days, we've already hired our communications director. That was an open position. And guess who it is? She's sitting right over here. It's Hannah Cochran. Our middle school ministry person is also going to be adding a communications job onto it. So we're grateful. Hannah, you can stand up so that people can see you. Hannah, yay! Shout out to Hannah. We're grateful that she's willing to grow. You've been such a gift to our staff and to our middle school community and your leadership, and we're excited to see uh, your gifts being used in communications as well. My friends, together uh, we will uh, proclaim, you might say, a call to worship. So let's stand together, and then we'll follow the words on the screen. God will pour out the Spirit on all flesh. And our daughters and sons shall prophesy. Our old ones shall dream dreams. And our young ones shall see visions. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Come, let us call upon the name of the Lord. Let us continue standing as we worship together.
be seated. Hey friends, on this glad day of Pentecost, I invite you to join with me, your voices, celebrating God's good work among us in a prayer of confession. We'll do it on the screen. I'll be the one, you be the all. Okay, let's do this. God, you raise the dead to life in the spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You bring pardon and peace to the broken in heart. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You make one by your spirit, that which is torn and divided. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Generous God, you send us the spirit of courage, but we have been afraid. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You send us the spirit of truth, but we cling to our illusions. 
Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You send us the spirit of healing, but we cannot let go of our hurts. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Holy Spirit of forgiveness, come to us again. Still our hearts, set our souls on fire with your love. Send us out into the world rejoicing in your goodness. We hold out to you all our unique burdens of guilt and sin, and we ask for your help to live the way of your justice and peace. Amen. This time, our children who are ages three years old through fourth grade can go out and meet Miss Betsy at the coffee station, and you all will go away for Sunday school, kind of a teaching lesson during the sermon, and come back to your parents. And if you're in the atrium and you can hear me, you can go see Miss Betsy right behind you. Um, the rest of us will continue in our uh, posture of worship, asking the Holy Spirit to breathe life into our very hearts. So would you join us in singing, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. The Lord be with you. Our scripture passage for this morning comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'll be reading selected verses so we're not here till mid-afternoon. Starting in verse 2. Now when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their own tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each, of, each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Jumping to verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain to you, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and pillows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jumping to verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from a corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My sixth grade science teacher at Forest Hills Central Middle School was a man named Mr. Runquist. To say he was quirky would be entirely understating it. He had a mop of yellow hair on the top of his head and believed the weirder the assignment, the better the learning. He loved calling on us without raising our hand to ask us a question. And as a shy, nerdy teenager, I know, hard to believe, but I was such a nerd. This is what I dreaded. I was more just shy than a nerd, but I just dreaded being called on. And I think he knew it and he loved it. The worst part was I clearly remember to this day his best slash worst assignment ever. We were near the end of our lesson on wind, and he decided that every one of us had to write there on the spot, write a poem about wind and how it becomes, you know, windy. We had learned just moments before that wind forms when air blows from a high pressure to a low pressure. And that's really the only concept that any of us had grasped before he gave us this assignment. Let's just say that internally, the pressure was going from a low to extremely high. I remember writing in a bit of a blind panic, starting with something like, <clears throat> I really do remember this. Oh, wind, why do you move from a high to a low? Is it really important for us to know? <laughs> good, right? It's really good. We roughly had about 10 minutes to become the Walt Whitman of wind, and then we were called literally one by one to the front of the class to recite our poems. I bet Walt Whitman never had to do that. Even though all odds were against me, I did make it through the assignment, you know, alive. I don't remember any of my poem except for that amazing beginning, <laughs> or anyone else's poem. But I do remember to this day that wind forms when pressure moves from a high to a low, and I do remember that assignment, and I will admit to you today that it is the one assignment that I have bestowed upon every confirmation class I have ever taught. It's just so mean. So whether teaching on the Bible or on baptism or both because, you know, Jesus, I've asked the students both at our last church and here to write a poem. I've never asked them to come forward. I've never compelled them to read out loud. I've only slightly guilted them, which is a big difference. Just ask my kids. Most have fallen in the realm of roses are red, baptism is cool, which is true. Um, but I do hold on to the memory of one student, one student who took this assignment so seriously, and she stepped up onto her chair to recite her eight line poem on Esther, and it ended with, I'm a good poet, and don't you all know it? It's just like the best moment. Now, when I dug out my old science book, or rather when I Googled it to uh, refresh myself, I found that Mr. Rehnquist was indeed right, that according to the National Center for Atmospheric Research, wind is moving air, and it's caused by differences. <laughs> wind is moving air, shocker. And it's moved... Uh, it's caused by differences in air pressure in the atmosphere. Air under high pressure moves towards areas of low pressure. The greater the difference in pressure, the faster the air flows. And that's how it goes. Get it? I just can't stop. Okay, wind is described with direction and speed. And I learned that uh, wind is always described in terms of direction in the direction it's coming from. So an easterly wind is coming from the east, and a westerly wind is coming from the, you know, west. 
All of these wind speeds are divided up into categories such as breeze or gale, and they're measured on a scale called the Beaufort scale. Fascinating, right? Okay, so you have 10 minutes, and I'm gonna give you a chance to come up and recite your poem. We're gonna start with Nate and Ross. Um, don't you think they could come up with some pretty good poems? There they go, all right, let's see what happens. Okay, you guys, you guys are off the hook. You don't have to do that. I do think, though, on this Pentecost Sunday, it is fitting for us to be reminded of how the Spirit first descended upon the disciples. A violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It is perhaps the ultimate occasion of high to low. A violent wind from heaven comes down to this small, cramped, earthly room. But the wind does not stop once it reaches the room. It blows the disciples out the door. It gives them power of speech with understanding. It blows into the hearts and minds of many. Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come, that they would not be alone, and that even though he was leaving, he would, he would send a fresh wind to keep them afloat. Turns out he was understating it just a bit. I wonder what the Beaufort scale would have been in that tiny room that day. A wind strong enough to blow the spirit in front of, to blow the disciples out in front of the crowd, powerful enough to empower Peter to become the poet he never knew he was, powerful enough so that people from near and far, strangers and foreigners, young and old, could feel it and begin to inhale the spirit into their lungs. On that day, the church was breathed into being, and people far and wide, in all kinds of languages and all kinds of traditions, began to speak of God and the movement of the spirit in their lives and in the world. The breath of God blew freely and wildly, filling their lungs, giving them courage and strength. Rather poetic, don't you think? It is no coincidence that God would use wind to represent the Holy Spirit because although we cannot see it, we can certainly see the effects of it. While we cannot touch it, we can feel its power all around us. And while we can measure it, gauge it, sail it, write poems about it, we cannot control it. I think this is why it's hard for us to get our mind around what Pentecost really means, why the Holy Spirit is the most elusive member of the Trinity. Anything unseen and yet powerful remains largely a mystery to us. Its main character setting in Acts 2 is represented by wind and fire, two things that naturally don't go well together. Two things that often aren't a safe combination. And maybe that's it. The spirit is not safe. It doesn't allow us to stay in our room where it's safe and cozy. It pushes us to new places and new spaces, missions and visions. It blows where it wills, and it often wills us to places our imagination never dreamed. From the high space of heaven to the low space of earth, for Peter, it simply blew him right out the door but it might as well have been to the other side of the world. The spirit blew Peter from a bumbling fisherman to a prophetic preacher. Problem is, far too often we like safe, we like secure, we like known, we like that cozy room where we can be all together with people who are like-minded and even people who are like-looking. But God's spirit is too big for that room. And friends, God's spirit is too big for this room. We come together in spirit so that we may be blown out the door. Our life in the spirit cannot be contained to one hour in this space or this screen. We must yield to the spirit of God every day of the week, entertaining for just a moment that we must relinquish control and allow the spirit to lead us. And man, that's scary. 
but it's also pretty exciting. There's a $10 word I've been thinking on over the past few years. It's a word that's been used by theologian Robert Jensen, and the word is capacious. I love this word. I love how it sounds. I love how it's spelled, and I love what it means, which is, by the way, roomy or having a lot of space inside. The dictionary example given is absolutely horrific. It is, she rummaged in her capacious handbag. What in the world? First of all, what handbag is ever capacious enough for all the stuff that we have to carry? Zero, none. I've been thinking about it in a much more celestial way. I've been thinking about the capaciousness of God. Robert Jensen says, God is a fugue, and what is more capacious than a fugue? I've been thinking about the capaciousness of grace, the capaciousness of the Spirit, the fact that God and the Spirit and God's grace and God's Spirit is far bigger and wider than we could ever grasp. It is roomier enough for us to walk around in freely and never know its bounds. I'm pretty sure the disciples were not thinking about this in Acts chapter 2. They seemed to like those closed-up spaces, safer, smaller, securer. They seemed to gravitate towards the non-capacious in action and in thought, and then the Spirit shows up. And suddenly they are blown out the door. And Peter, who just weeks before had denied Jesus, now gives the sermon of his life. When we yield to the Spirit of God, we yield control, or at least the control that we think we have over our imagination. When we acknowledge the capaciousness of God, we find a freedom that we could not have ever imagined on our own. Paul ties these two together in Galatians chapter 5. In an entire section on freedom in Christ, he lists out for us the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits that come from a life lived inside the capaciousness of the Spirit of God. These are the guiding pillars in our life when we live a life blown by the Spirit. I fear that in these times in which we are living, our tendency is to stay inside out of the wind, out of the elements. We prefer a much more climate-controlled environment. We've convinced ourselves that safety and comfort are core values of our life and even our faith. We've narrowed our worldview, our community, and our neighborhood. We've shut the windows to new possibilities and movements of the Spirit. And so perhaps Pentecost is the reminder that we all need of the spirit we all need. Pentecost is that cringy assignment that blows us out into the world to speak and act the good news of Jesus. Out of our comfort zone and into the fruits of the spirit. New Testament professor Shively Smith puts it this way, the manifestations of the spirit transform members and their communities into spaces that ignite conversation and conviction and change people's life choices. Its purpose is to embolden a community to realize that it's not about the preservation or prestige of the community or its individual members that is of significance. Rather, the importance of the community is on how effective the change on the inside of the community with its embrace of a diverse and heterogeneous membership that is empowered by God to do great things impacts and infects the world outside of it. We exist to impact and infect the world outside of this place, but we do not do it alone. The Spirit blows with us. Friends, if I could issue one plea to you today, 
It would be to open yourself up to the capaciousness of God. To open the window to the spirit of God. To open your hands to the possibility that you are being led. It might mean selling everything you own. It may mean changing careers. It might mean switching directions. It may simply mean going outside and talking to your neighbors. Whatever it is, it probably will not be safe. It probably will not make you more money. And it probably will not be about you or about me. But it will be spirit-led. Wind, air, and breath, echoes of God's capaciousness. Echoes of God's breath that moves from a high place to this low place and raises us back again to be spirit-filled disciples. Or if I had to say it in poetry form, oh wind, why do you blow from a high to a low? Because on Pentecost, people needed a spirit to know. I'm a good poet, and don't you all know it? <laughs> Let's pray. God, we thank you for your capacious spirit, which blew into the hearts of many on Pentecost. Holy Spirit, blow into our lives. Move us in directions that we never thought possible so that we may join you in kingdom work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, in your spirit's name, and all God's people said, amen. Sad birth, holy fear, purify faith and need, refiner's fire, strength and waterfalls. So we the church bear your light, lamp of faith, city bright, king and king, come is what we fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, the holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.
Well, Pastor Nate, I think it might be our turn to share our poems about You wind. stumped me on the first service, but I got you. I'm going to get you. I have a poem Okay, right you here. go first. I wrote one. Spirit will blow to those gathered below. Yeah. Causing the people to go. Yes. And the church will grow. Hey, hey, that's pretty good. Come on, come on. Nice. Well I'm going to put you on the spot. I bet you can't come up with one as quick as uh, I did. Okay, okay. Pentecost read in my necktie pinned. Too many songs about breaking wind. <laughs> pressure's low and pressure's high. Why am I standing next to this guy? Aren't we supposed to snap? Isn't that what you do, snaps in the, in the shows? I think there's much more important things to do than have them hear about our poetry. Awkward transition to the sacraments, friends. We come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ for the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and it is fitting to do so. Hopefully, those of you who are in-house this morning already grabbed your bread and your cup on the way in. If not, sneak out or raise your hand, and our elders will get it to you. Brief reminder to place these in the baskets on the way out so we can reuse them. If you are at home, you can also prep the elements uh, for this moment together as well. At Fellowship Church, we want to welcome members of this church and guests from another, all who love God and are learning to love Jesus Christ and who are eager to know his benefits all the more. We welcome you to the table of our Lord today. It is fitting to remind ourselves on Pentecost Sunday that that it is the Spirit of God given that enables us to participate in salvation history, by which the story of Jesus becomes our story. His life, his death, his resurrection becomes true for us and is symbolized in this meal that we share. It's fitting to remember on Pentecost Sunday that it is the Spirit sent that enables the fellowship of the communion of the saints, which is all of us together here today, including Christians the whole world over, and the saints throughout the ages. And it's fitting to remember on Pentecost Sunday that it is the Spirit of God sent that enables us to be together in the bond of the unity of the Spirit, bearing fruit as the Spirit enables us to live God's way in the world and to make ready for the kingdom come. Here And to that end, let's pray together. O Christ, in fulfillment of your promise, you breathed out the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and filled the church with power. We thank you for sending your Spirit to us today to kindle faith and lead us into all truth, blowing in the church to make us faithful disciples and empowering us to proclaim the living Christ to every nation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit we pray, amen. On the same night that he was to be betrayed, Christ gathered his disciples around a table, and after he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it, saying, this is the body, my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, the cup of blessing, and he said, this cup is a cup of a New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you take of it in remembrance of me. My friends, these are the gifts of God for us, the people of God. And this is the body of Christ which has been broken for you. And this cup is the blood of Jesus shed for you. Hmm. 
in response to this table of communion that we've shared, I invite you to join in prayer, but we're going to do so with a video that will be on the screen. It's put out by our denomination, the Reformed Church in America, and it's focusing on unity and reconciliation around the world, which is fitting to Pentecost Sunday. They are going to pray with their eyes open, and I invite you to do the same so that you can see them and read some of the words on the screen. But we'll do that also, joining our hearts in prayer, trusting that God hears our prayers, even if our eyes are open. So let's pray together. Lord, as you have taught us, we bow down before you in all humility, gentleness, and patience. Supporting each other with love and trying to keep the unity of the Spirit by the bonds of peace. That we may become one body and one spirit according to our common calling and vocation. Con una sola voz, arrepintiéndonos de nuestras divisiones, nos comprometemos a trabajar juntos por la reconciliación, la paz y la justicia. And we stand together in imploring you, help us to live as your disciples, overcoming selfishness and arrogance, hatred and violence. Give us strength to forgive. Inspire our witness to the world that we might foster a culture of dialogue and be bearers of the hope which your gospel has implanted in us. Agnos instrumento de paz. So that our homes and our communities, our parishes, just nations might resonate more fully with the peace you have long desired to bestow upon us. Amen. Friends, as we go from this place, I invite you to stand. Um, we won't sing another song about rings. I got the message loud and clear. We'll sing about the feast <laughs> that we just had that is a picture and a taste of the feast to come when all is made right and restored again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing together. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say together. We will feast and weep no more. We will not.
Okay, friends, uh, Nate asked that I would take us like a little congregational picture, so he gave me his phone, so there we go. All right, and selfie, ah, every smile. Yeah, that's a keeper, that's a framer right there, Nader. Anybody else feel like we started out really holy and then we've kind of gone, talk about going from a high to a low. <laughs> we kind of descended into it today, but embrace the playfulness, right? <laughs> Embrace the Spirit, embrace where the Spirit might be leading you, even into those scary places, because no matter where you go, you will still be within the capaciousness of God. As you go from this place, may you go in peace. Amen.